0: Welcome to the Fantasy NVA Today podcast. All right, so you know I get it. I'm a loose cannon here. Sometimes you forget to put your backdrop up, and everybody gets to see your disheveled bedroom in the background. I'm surprised, honestly, that's the first time that's happened this season. On the YouTubes, it'll happen again. Make no mistake. I'll do it again. Uh, I am moving fast today, which may not be obvious by the fact that I'm speaking very slowly. uh, But I am trying to move fast today. The quick version is my younger son, my uh, preschool age child, has his class Hanukkah party Coming up in about one hour, and I got to get there like 10 minutes early to bring Vesper's families in charge of the applesauce and sour cream, ladies and gentlemen. I got big responsibilities today. So anyway, we got to plow through this bad boy. But I don't think that should be a big problem. There were only five games yesterday, uh, and like two of the five games had almost no fantasy ramifications whatsoever. So we'll be able to laser focus on the ones that did. Quick Wednesday preview, just a few things to keep an eye on for this evening. Also, that should hopefully save us some time as we look towards the afternoon. If possible, I'd like to get our sell high show going uh, later on today. That's been a big hit, specifically on the YouTube side. I think the the traditional pod channel, that one's doing about the same as everything else. Uh, But you YouTubers, you love the buy lows and the sell highs. And I have other ideas that I want to trot out. I know we did our. Uh, what did we do? We did the Dynasty Show late last week. That was cool, um, but I have some other ones that I want to try to work in. I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it, but damn it, I'm going to try. And you guys are going to be here for this wild ride that we call the podcasting life. Welcome everyone, one and all, to Fantasy NBA today. I am Dan Vesperis, and this is a Sports Ethos presentation. Take a moment to find me on social at Dan Vesperis, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search. Or Bing Search, or whatever those search engines are out there. Dan from Sports Ethos, or Dan from Hootball, should pop up pretty quickly that way. Best news feed in business, Ethos Fantasy BK. It's got sources, it's got analysis, and it is faster than any other one that has those things. Also, Discord, come hang with us. Link is in the show description. You guys can find it. You're competent, fully functioning adults. I know it. So, uh, go find that. Now, let's just talk about fantasy stuff. I want to get right into it because, again, I, I got to move in a pretty good clip today. Lakers, Mavericks. This was a pretty fun ball game, actually. Mavericks uh, were just simply too good from three-point land. It's funny because yesterday I was talking on, on the show. I was like, look, I think we were talking about the Kings game. And I said, look, if a team makes, you know, 20-plus three-pointers and shoots like 50% on them, that team's going to win almost every single time. Lakers kept pace because they also shot the three relatively well in this game. They hit 15 of them, Uh, but more than anything, Anthony Davis was just destroying people around the rim despite playing through a little tweak on his hip injury. He came up kind of lame a couple of times in the first half. I don't think that's why the Lakers were down 10 in the first half. They looked like they were a bit hungover from the in-season tournament Vegas trip, but they came back in the second, made it a good ball game, back and forth down the stretch. uh, Luka was just incredible with his passing in this ballgame. I know that 33 points is cool, but it took him 28 shots to get there, and I think typically the Lakers would actually feel fine about 33 points for Luka on 28 shots. The thing that burned the Lakers was that Dante Exum went insane from three-point land, and he's been really hot lately. This is a bit of an indictment, I think, on the Lakers' game plan, which they basically said after the ballgame was we needed to sag off someone, so we chose to sag off Dante Exum. And I get it. He'd been playing well, but he hadn't been shooting the three-ball like this. You know, he had uh, whatever it was, three three three-pointers in his previous two games where he was playing well, but then to have seven in this one pretty much blew up the Lakers' plans. I think he had 17 points in the fourth quarter alone. Pretty incredible stuff. And he was the reason the Mavs won this ballgame. Dante Exum. I know you could say Tim Hardaway Jr. had 32, but he did a lot of that damage early and then cooled off. Grant Williams had five three-pointers as well on seven out of nine shooting. Mavericks simply got too many threes from their role players uh, and that put them over the top in a fun basketball game that from a fantasy standpoint did have a couple of notes. Lakers side, Bron and AD are both dealing with some stuff Uh, for LeBron. Apparently there's a calf thing that maybe he tweaked a little bit. We know he's been dealing with uh, just all the lower leg stuff. He might sit out this back to back in San Antonio. Anthony Davis would probably be wise to sit out the back to back, but I don't know. Maybe he wants to go up against Wembenyama and see how that goes. We'll see. But obviously, if either of those guys sits, that opens things up. It's better for streamers if LeBron sits, because that means just more ball handling. Because Anthony Davis is the finisher, and there isn't an obvious center that just steps in and can do anything remotely close to what AD does. Uh, But if LeBron takes a day off, you're going to get a big game out of D'Angelo Russell. You'll get more out of Austin Reeves, who's been playing well lately anyway. You'll probably get enough out of Uh, someone like a a Rui Hachimura because they'll need more scoring. Torian Prince has been heating up from three. I don't know that that helps him all that much because, frankly, he is better when LeBron can get him open. But just keep an eye on the status report for tonight. If anybody's sitting for the Lakers, we'll try to, you know, pluck over the carcass and see what sort of streamers we can flip in there. The Mav side is a little bit more clear. Not super clear, but a little bit more clear because Derek Jones Jr. went out. And then in the middle of this ballgame, Seth Curry actually got hurt also. So Derek Jones is out, Kyrie's out, and is still in a walking boot, so he presumably is at least a few games away, maybe more than that even. Uh, Now Seth as well. Josh Green is out for a while yet. Maxi Kleba's still out for a while. So you have this group now, that includes Tim Hardaway Jr., by the way, that might not normally get enough usage to be fantasy relevant, but certainly is right now. So Dante Exum, while he's this hot, You play him. While Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get 21 shots, you play him. Derek Lively was a play anyway, but he's playing as many minutes as he can handle. And then Grant Williams is the one that's kind of teetering on the borderline simply because he's just not doing as many things besides trying to hit corner threes at a super high clip. And so he's the one you could play him if you just needed threes on the head-to-head side. Roto, I think the rest of these guys are probably a go also, but I don't know that Grant Williams necessarily is for your games cap format folks out there. Cavaliers were once again without Evan Mobley, and they are, to no one's surprise, not as good without Evan Mobley. I know, shocking, isn't it? Absolutely shocking that they're not as good without their best defensive player. Cavs fell to 13-11, and 11, which uh, in a an Eastern Conference where parity is nuts right now, actually the West too. Top 10 teams in the West are all two games above 500 or better. Top 9 teams in the East are two games above 500 or better. And then there's a a three-game drop-off after that. In the West, there's a -a two-and-a-half-game drop-off after the top 10 spots. I think this is what the NBA wants. A lot of teams that can just all beat each other on any given night. And that's pretty cool. What the hell was I talking about? Why were we talking? Oh, the Cavaliers. Yes, they need Mobley back. Because they're just not going to beat a good team like Boston without their premier defensive guy. It's just not going to happen. Donovan Mitchell was better. Darius Garland was decent again. Solid. Uh, Jared Allen finally busting out after a few foul, troubley games with five defensive stats. He was a buy low on yesterday's show. And I know he missed some free throws here, but already you see sort of the, the fruits of those labors. Max Struess came back with 17-9-3 and and five three-pointers. You knew he would bounce back after a terrible shooting game the previous one. And then for Cleveland, the only real fantasy footnote here is that Karis LeVert came back from injury, played 23 minutes. He's not roto-relevant when both Garland and Donovan Mitchell are healthy. He's a schedule-level play for head-to-head leaguers when the team is healthy. Uh, But even that's kind of iffy. Points leaguers, I think, could probably scoop him because he's sort of like basement level when the team's healthy and that is quite good when the team is missing anybody because his issues are efficiency stuff. I do not have a single note on the Boston Celtics other than I guess it's probably worth mentioning how high the Brewski 150 was on Derek White and he's number 36 in 9-cat right now. That dude is freaking good. True Holidays kind of bounced back a little bit for whatever that's worth. And then everything else is is the same. So let's keep trucking along. Nikola Jokic got ejected and, you know, Denver's being coy. Denver's kind of a little weird these days. I got to say, um just as an organization, they've they've changed. You've changed, man. That's like the feeling I've got with Denver. And I the team has has gotten extremely defensive which is super weird because you just won the title, but everything is just like, ah, oh, we're still disrespected or, and there's this weird, like non-responsibility thing going on. And maybe it's an act. I don't know. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not getting the joke, but uh, Michael Malone came out and was like, yeah, I mean, I heard what Nicole Jokic said to the ref and in my house that, growing up, that was a term of endearment, which I know is sort of like tongue in cheek, but also like just say, shouldn't have said it like, don't, don't try to twist that around. Make your, make your guy take responsibility. I know you're in championship hangover mode, but we're all counting on Jokic to actually finish some damn ball games these days. And honestly, I think he's tired. I think Jokic is just pooped. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. That was an odd little noise. That was the sound of my mug squeaking up against the microphone. Like a little mug fart. Uh, Reggie Jackson filling in here. Uh, I'm sure he would have been fine with just Jamal Muriel, but certainly once Jokic went down, then it was, all right, Reggie, you got to like orchestrate, get everybody set up. You're you're running things now. KCP got hurt mid ball game. I'm going to forget exactly. Yeah, he took a shot to the head. I kind of forgot exactly what it was. And my hope, and this is sort of Better be careful how I phrase this, because I don't want anybody to get hurt. And I like actually playing KCP for steals and threes. My hope was that someone like Christian Brown would step up and take all of that stuff, but he's kind of fighting with Justin Holiday and Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, and all these guys are sort of scooping up the excess in a game that Denver somehow managed to win without Jokic for the second half, and then without KCP and also without Jamal Murray and oh, Chicago. And this is the thing, Chicago is deluding themselves these days, and we're fully aware of it. Anybody that watches basketball is fully aware of it. They beat some bad teams, uh, and then there was like, oh yeah, you know, we're gonna we're we're buyers now again. It's like, dude, you like look at your schedule, man. You beat the Spurs, you beat the Hornets, you had a decent win against the Pelicans, I'll give you that. But like, most of the Bulls wins this year have come against kind of bad teams. Kobe White is on in a serious heater right now. Um, I'd say probably ride it out because I don't think you're going to be able to trade him for proper value at the moment because people are going to be worried that Zach Levine might come back, and it is a reasonable worry. I still feel like Levine gets traded before he's healthy from this foot injury, but we don't know for sure. Uh, And there's kind of only one way to go for White from right now, because he's hitting like five three-pointers a game over the last couple of weeks. These are just unsustainable numbers. We know that for anybody in the NBA. Steph Curry's the only guy that hits five three-pointers a game. And Kobe White, he's made some strides, but he's not Steph Curry. I am very disappointed in Patrick Williams, who, uh, with Alex Caruso and Zach Levine out, felt like he was primed to have at least a serviceable basketball game, and he was quite bad in this one. I think he probably still belongs on rosters lately, but it's not a guarantee. His fantasy game is okay but not great cuz his percentages are both kind of bad, but he gets 3 steals and blocks and sometimes rebounds and it's a fun combination and one that I want to be positive about. But it, he just hasn't put it together and and so he's sort of more stash than play. Certainly on the roto side, he's more stash than play. On the head-to-head side, you could probably make the argument that he can just sort of drop into a lineup and it's not going to kill you, but there are better short-term options available right now. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Draymond Green is up to his old antics again, and that's probably the story of the night, is that Draymond was, in his words, trying to sell a fowl. He felt Yusuf Nurkic was grabbing his hip, and so he was sort of like tried to flail out of the hip grab, and in his flailing, in this big spinning uppercut, he caught Nurkic in the face with his, sort of like the wrist area, I mean it was an extremely uncoordinated series of moves from Draymond, Um, he'll probably be suspended, he was uh, weirdly apologetic, which is unusual for him in his post game, He was like, look, I was trying to flail. I was trying to sell a foul. I definitely did not mean to hit Nurkic in the face. And I'm sure he's trying to mitigate whatever punishment is coming, but it's not like he came out and apologized for choking Rudy Gobert because he meant to do it. So there is a certain, I think, genuine level to this with him because Draymond has like basically never apologized for anything in his career. And this one was like, I, I, this was dumb. I didn't mean to do that. There will be some suspension coming. Uh, I actually think the apology may mitigate the length of it a little bit. Basketball monster, for those that are watching, you can see the box score. They they're thinking it'll be ten games. I think it might be less than that. And I know he's this whole repeat offender stuff, but him coming out and saying like, "Look, I that was a screw up. I didn't mean to do that." Uh, they may go a little easier on him. Either way, last time he was out, Chris Paul went huge, and he immediately had a big ball game here with fifteen points, eleven assists. So CP3 is going to be cooking. Uh, Brandon Pajemski had a really good ball game here. There's no guarantee. So, I like him as, I think, more of a speculative ad. And I saw a lot of folks on Twitter that were like, it's go time for pods. And I I feel like I need to remind everybody that it's not a guarantee. And you can go back and you can look at the last few games when Draymond was out and... Uh, Pachewski had a few good ones in there, but they weren't all great. Like, it, it, this was mid November. He had a 23.7 rebound, five assist game. He had a 13 and eight in there, but he also had like an eight and a three, a three and a five, I think, were mixed in there. I think he had like a 10 and four. So it wasn't a guarantee. Now, the upshot here is that. The old goats for the Warriors in the starting line, namely Clay and Wiggins, mostly Wiggins, Clay sort of like at a slightly lower degree, they've been horrendous, and they got benched down the stretch yesterday because they sucked, and Clay was like, look, I trust Steve Kerr. I don't like being benched, but like I was terrible, so at least there's a self-awareness there. I have no idea what's going through Andrew Wiggins' head on any given moment, but he's not engaged in whatever's happening during this basketball season, so I do think you can pick up Podjemski. I, I think there's at least a shot that he has value consistently through whatever happens here to Draymond because he's been playing well, and the Warriors seem more inclined to look at other options like Jonathan Kaminga, like Pods, like a Moses Moody from time to time, like a Dario Saric. The problem again for me is when I'm thinking about using these guys against a games cap. I need to feel super confident that you're going to get a we whoever I will get a good ball game on that specific night, and I don't think that we know that's going to be true, because if Pojemski's having an off-shooting game, or feeling tired, or whatever, they could pivot back in another direction, or if, let's say, Clay and Wiggins are playing a little bit better on a given night, so, uh, again, I feel like this is more of a head-to-head direction, where you're like, all right, I'm going to get something out of him, because his minutes are going to be in the 20s, seemingly at the very worst, okay, great, play the, your 20-minute guy, if it's Pojemski, okay. If it's Kaminga, okay. All of that stuff seems fine. But Roto, honestly, I I feel like I probably don't have the stones to play them. Josh Okohe left for the Suns midway through, so they got thinner, but they're supposed to get Kevin Durant back on Wednesday, and Bradley Beal did finally make his return from a back injury in this ballgame. Played 28 minutes. He was fine. Unspectacular. Um, I would assume he'll still be on some kind of minute cap on Wednesday, but if it's going to be up in the high 20s, That's probably enough to play him. Um, Don't have to worry about Metu because KD's coming back. Jordan Goodwin had a big game, but you don't have to worry about that because, again, KD's coming back. Eric Gordon is very much a drop if Kevin Durant is back. And I think for this team, you're playing the three superstars and Nurk, and that would be it at that point. And that's nice. That means we don't really have to focus too hard on it. And the last ball game of the night was a Clippers blowout over the Kings. Kings have been weirdly terrible on back to back so far this year. Uh, watching their the media or their their fan base on Twitter look at it like, can we just not have any more back to backs? It's super weird because they're not an old team. Uh, but whatever. Here we are. Clippers continue to play better. But all right, we'll get to the Clippers in a sec. First things first. Keegan Murray, another good ball game. Like, he's been on our by low board forever. He's up to number 83 on the season now. I still think there's room to climb. I know. I just think there's farther to go. Everybody else in the Kings was awful. Basically, you know, consider yourself lucky if the only king you had was Keegan Murray because he's the only one that dodged the bullet. Um, This ball game really hurt De'Aaron Fox. It dropped him all the way to number 40 in 9-cat, which I know sounds nuts, right? A guy averaging 30 points a game being ranked 40th. Uh, but now he's a negative in field goal, free throw, and turnover. Um, and that just becomes a little bit harder to overcome. Now there's obviously a bunch of things he's doing well. Points, threes, steals, assists are pretty good. Not spectacular, but pretty good. Um, so, And this is why Fox has always been a guy who profiled more as either a punt free throw guy or head-to-head, you know, punt some other stuff kind of build. But this is also why when he was number eight, we said, sell, get anyone inside the top 25 while you can. Because now he's outside of that. Ah, well, he's still going to be fun. He's still going to put up gigantic numbers. But, I mean, this is the thing. It's easy to overlook certain categories when other ones are eye-popping, and some of them are for him. Clippers' side, however, is the more interesting one. Paul George left this ballgame with a sore groin. Uh, Ty Lu said he might have been able to play through it if the game wasn't a blowout victory at the time. I'm skeptical of that but I am happy that that's the quote that came out as opposed to something like oh you know, we'll test it before the next ball game which in my mind is like yeah PG's resting a few. This one it sounds like maybe he could play in their next game. If I'm the Clippers, I give him a day off because he's Paul George, and you just really don't want him re aggravating a groin or a hamstring. That's where all of his stuff tends to happen. They'll be fine. A loss, you know, if they take a loss, maybe they get a win. Who the hell do the Clippers play next? Who's next on their schedule? The Warriors. They can't beat anybody right now. It's tomorrow. Give Paul George a day off. Let's see what happens. What's happening right now is that Kawhi Leonard is destroying everybody. He's up to number 10 per game. And he's played in all 23 Clippers games so far this year. He's number seven by totals, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, he, and I know everybody wants to talk about Scotty Barnes, and that's fine because he got drafted later, and Tyrese Maxey, also um, an incredible pick. These guys got drafted later than, than Kawhi. Uh, I would posit that Kawhi Leonard is also one of the best picks in fantasy to this point. Nobody expected him to play in all their games. We all figured he was going to be a great per-game guy, but it was like, okay, can he get there if he's missing 25 to 30% of the team's games? Well, so far, he's missing 0%, knock on wood. Uh, So he's right up there at the top of the board, and he's been even better lately after kind of a semi-slow start to the year. Kawhi is top six over the last three weeks. Kawhi is top four over the last two weeks. Yeah, he's dominating. He's dunking on everyone's head. Nobody's catching Shea. Don't worry about that. But Kawhi's been incredible. Harden's trucking along these days, too. Harden's trucking along. He's number 25, I think, over the last week. He's right in that like late second round range over the last week. Last two weeks, Harden is number uh, 13 per game. They're off and running question I guess here is, do we pick up Norman Powell? Because we don't have any idea if Paul George is playing in their next ballgame. If he sits, I'd probably stream Powell because you know you're going to get some points and threes and free throw percent and maybe a steal out of it. But it's hard for me to recommend an ad right now uh, because he's not playing today. And I kind of don't want to blow a weekly ad for head to head on a guy who may end up still as a backup. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of where I land on that one. Just Roto, I guess you could you could pick up Norm because you're not working against any sort of moves limit. Um, and if Paul George plays, then you just don't play him. You move on to somebody else. Uh, what do we got coming up tonight? A medium sized Wednesday, nothing crazy, just a nine gamer. Philly is at Detroit. Philadelphia, we're watching Kelly Oubre's minutes. Detroit, we're watching a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, you know what happens with uh, Thompson, who's been now moved back into the starting lineup with multiple injuries in the front court. Same for Isaiah Stewart. Is there any reason for us to really believe in Killian Hayes or Jaden Ivey this year? Pelicans, you're watching Trey Murphy. Wizards, it's the whole damn team. Basically, can they keep the game even remotely close? Charlotte. uh, Mark Williams, I think, is still doubtful. So you got the Nick Richards thing. Miami is streamer city these days. Do you guys need me to go through all of them? All right. Uh, Orlando Robinson, probably still a go. Josh Richardson just got downgraded to questionable with headaches, I believe. I think he deals with migraines, so that may be what's going on there. Kayla um, Martin's been really good lately. Kyle Lowry's cooled off, but I think he's a go. And then uh, Duncan Robinson as well for the Heat, who somehow keep finding ways to win without half of their damn guys. They're 13-10, and 10 and they are not remotely close to healthy. Hawks are hoping to have uh, their pieces back in order. No real notes on them. Same deal for Toronto. Lakers, you got to find out who's actually playing in the back-to-back. Spurs, uh, I mean, if Anthony Davis is in, would they really let Wemby guard him? Maybe. Might be kind of a fun test. Feels like they might throw Zach Collins at him, but you never know. Spurs' starting lineup is a big red hovering question mark these days. Indy, we got a big game out of Benedict Matherin last time around. Can he do it again? Or is it back to Obi Toppin time? Milwaukee, Chris Middleton's minutes into the 30s? Question mark? Memphis nothing. Houston, Tari Eason got nice minutes in their last game. Can that repeat itself? Knicks, you know I'm always watching Josh Hart. I'd say washing? Watching. I'm definitely not not always washing Josh Hart. That's a very weird podcast. Although viewership would be nuts. You guys would watch. I know it. And then you got Isaiah Hartenstein time. I don't care that Jericho Sims is starting. Give me Hartenstein. Let's do it. Utah Jazz. We got Jordan Clarkson ruled out for a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, fantasy-wise, nobody really cares. But reality-wise, it just means that they are without anyone on the team that has actual gravity. John Collins has been missing time. Walker Kessler's been missing time. Utah's in uh, a, perhaps a little bit of a pre-tank right now. They're 7-16. And I don't think anybody's catching the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Wizards for the three worst records. So now it becomes much more important to, like, basically have the fourth worst record. And uh, they're close. They're half game back of the Grizzlies and Trailblazers for that. And I think we might be seeing the Jazz doing a little bit of, you know what, guys that sometimes win games? Clarkson, Markinen, Kessler, Collins... You guys just take it easy. We'll get you back in there when you're 100%, not 97%. We want to get you all the way to 100. In the meantime, everybody sucks. Everything sucks. But if everybody's out again and Kelly Olytic is playing, I know he wasn't good in the last one, but damn right I'd be firing him up. Keontae George might be forced to take so many shots that he could potentially have value. You just hope that he doesn't shoot like 3 for 19, which is a real possibility with as bad as his shots been lately. Free throws, field goals, turnovers, crazy, crazy high right now. And then Fontecchio hasn't been all that great. And Colin Sexton can probably get you some points. But, like, we need to find out if all four of those decent players are out again. Feels like they probably will be if Utah wants to keep racking up some easy losses. Brooklyn Phoenix. Is this the everybody plays game for the Suns? I'd certainly like to see it. Brooklyn, only a two-point underdog. Some of that's Phoenix on the back-to-back. Some of that is this weird feeling you get in your belly. Of, is Bradley Beal going to play in the back-to-back? I think they'd like to see all three of their guys together, but... I don't know. By the way, Desmond Bain just got downrated to questionable. He's also sick for the Grizzlies, so there might be a reason to consider some sort of grab there, like Asante Aldama might take enough shots in this whatever iteration if Bain has to sit one out hell were we talking about? Brooklyn, um, I called Cam Thomas a buy low, mostly because of the sort of big ups and downs for him. He's in a cold snap. You want to buy during the cold snap, hit the hot one, and then resell. He's a guy that, like, you can probably buy him super low and then sell him super high, because very few players fluctuate as hard as Cam Thomas does, because his value is all tied up in his scoring, and so if he's shooting terribly, everything just off the edge of the cliff. But if it all starts going in, then everything just like a pogo stick right back up onto the cliff. Not much else with Brooklyn. So that's what's coming up tonight. I know we've been sort of hauling. We're hustling our way through today's podcast. Uh, Like I said, I've got to turn right around and uh, go to my kids' preschool Hanukkah party. I do want to do the quick scan, quick scan of the YouTube chat room to see if Uh, anybody in the chat room has something that we can apply to everybody. So I know this isn't the world's greatest part of the podcast, but while I'm looking here, please take a second to go click that like button. You know, there's like hundreds, sometimes thousands of you that are checking this out on YouTube. Please go do that. And if you're listening on old pod channels, please take a second to subscribe. Actually, everybody, please subscribe. Seriously, please. Dear Lord, please subscribe. Um, probably should have said that at the beginning of the show, but I'm an idiot and I forgot. So do it now. And drop a five-star review if you feel sort of moved by the pod spirits. Um, Let's see here. Flame says, I love you, Dan, but I hate you and Otani now because you're a Dodger fan and I'm a Blue Jays fan. Oh, yeah, I did wear the Dodgers hat today. Otani press conference today, baby. Just wait. You think you hate the Dodgers now? Just wait to see what they do next. Hmm, let's see here. Um. Yeah, these are all pretty team-specific stuff. Oh, Trey Murphy, can he be top 90 rest of season? Um, Yeah, I think he could be top 90. I don't think that's out of the question. I just don't think we're going to get that like top 50, 60 run he went on last year. You guys remember this? Okay, now I'm pissed off. I got mad because I just got reminded of this, this conversation I had on social media last season, and it was just so irritating because I, I put trey murphy on my injury replacement board every day for the whole season and people were like you're being cruel to him and i was like being on the injury replacement board is not an insult it's merely uh it's merely an acknowledgement that we never got to see a player do it when a team was healthy That's what the injury replacement board meant for Trey Murphy last year. and People kept yelling at me, he's better than an injury replacement. He's better than an injury replacement. And I'm like, maybe, but we haven't seen it. Because remember, last year, the Pelicans were healthy for, count them, four. Four games. They had their big dogs all together in November last year. Then Ingram went down. Then Zion went down. Zion never came back. They were healthy for four games. Trey Murphy did a lot of his damage when both Ingram and Zion were out. He continued to do some damage even after Ingram came back. Not quite as much, but still a decent enough amount to stay relevant. But we haven't seen him, Trey Murphy that is, put up big numbers when all three of Zion, Ingram, and McCollum are healthy at the same time. This is that time now. I personally still think that Trey Murphy is good enough. He's an incredible floor spacer for them. Good enough defender. Super efficient. I think he's a good enough basketball player where they're going to find opportunities for him to do stuff and shoot and get minutes. But I don't know if the usage is going to be anywhere near what it was last season. And so that's why I think we just have to be ready for the possibility of that he's outside the top 100. I think he's probably going to sneak inside because hitting threes efficiently with a few defensive stats is good enough typically to be a 9-cat play in fantasy, but there is no guarantee of it. And this is not going to be like... I'm not going to celebrate if he doesn't make it because I have him stashed on a couple of teams because I think he's going to be inside the top 100. But it will be somewhat of a vindication for what I was talking about last year, which is to say... We never really saw it. We never really saw Trey Murphy have consistent 9-cat value last season. Not talking about this year. Last season. When the three main guys for the Pelicans were healthy. That was all that that injury board meant. Which, admittedly, I've been doing a bad job of keeping up on the injury board on social. But luckily, you guys listen to the pod, so you know the players that we're looking at anyway. All right, what else we got that uh, could apply to everyone here? Um... Remember, this is your time to go find me on Twitter and like. That's while I'm looking things up. Anthony Edwards says, Draymond got suspended rest of season. Yeah, that's not going to happen. He's not getting suspended for the whole season for a a flailing uh, face spank. Spank. He basically spanked Nurkic on the face. He was not trying to attack him. This was different. I mean, you can see what you want to see. And it was beyond idiotic and Draymond is a clown these days. I'm not going to argue any of that stuff, but the league is going to watch it and they're going to go, "Yeah, this idiot was like flailing because he was not getting a foul call. It was not even he wasn't even annoyed with Nurk. He was annoyed with an official. It's a very different situation than the last one where he was like physically assaulting a player on purpose. Here's a good question. What's a good trade to get Kyrie right now with Darius Garland work? Ah, huh. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. Garland's been hot the last, call it, week, week and a half. And Kyrie is Kyrie. He's, you know, end of the second round right now in kind of like almost a worst-case scenario for him so far this year because lots of stuff can still get higher, and guys in front of him are probably still going to fall back, like Anthony Simons, much as I love him, Brooke Lopez, CJ McCollum, Desmond Bain. If Kyrie comes back and just keeps doing the same thing he's doing, he'll move up five to six slots just because people are going to drop behind him. And then if he gets any better at all, then he moves farther up the board. Uh, There's no chance that Darius Garland, even on his best full season, is going to get inside the top 25. It's just not, it's not meant to be because Donovan Mitchell's there. Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. I would change my tune. But Garland is more of a 40 range kind of guy. So yeah, that's an intriguing one. I think if you could handle Kyrie being out for a week or two, whatever this ends up being, that's that's a pretty good idea. I think the other names in that range are probably not going to get it done if you were trying to get Kyrie. You could almost definitely get him for De'Aaron Fox right now, which on Roto actually makes sense, believe it or not. Head-to-head, you might prefer to have Fox because he's healthy and taking zero sucks. Um, Mikael Bridges might get it done right now because he's healthy and Kyrie's not. De'Jounte Murray might get it done. Um, I don't think I would do Jimmy Butler because I think he's actually a guy who probably improves the steals is the big thing with Butler right now um Evan Mobley I know it would really twist the build of your team but he'd be an interesting one Miles Turner probably not enough to get it done uh and that's probably about as high as I'd go the rest of these guys I don't want to give away a healthy dude right behind Kyrie for a hurt Kyrie um that just the even if you end up sort of winning on a per game basis, the games you miss here a week, two weeks, whatever it is, that actually probably is enough to swing it back in the direction of the guy ranked ever so slightly lower. Once someone's asking uh, about Desmond Bain, is that an interesting one? Um Yeah, you know what? I think I'm actually okay with that with Ja coming back. If Bain could get you Kyrie, I think I would do it. that's a good that's a good suggestion. This one says, do you think no suspension at all? No, I think it'll be a short one. I I just, like, Basketball Monster thinks 10 games this poster was saying for the full season. I just, I think it might be, I think we might be looking at another 2 to 5. I I just, 10 feels like a lot when he wasn't actually going after a player. And I might be wrong. Maybe they go high just to, again, make a big example. But I, I just, like, I feel like it sends almost the wrong message of, like, the message here has to be, come on, dude. Watch your freaking arms. You can flail around and be a gesticulating lunatic, which we know you are. But, like, if there's a dude behind you, watch your arms. You're going to take a week off and think about it. He knows he's getting suspended. I, I just don't think it's going to be as much as everybody else thinks. What would be a good Anthony Simon sell high? Great question. FSF will call this dude so I don't have to curse on air. Um I'll tell you what, we'll cover that on the sell-high episode that'll hopefully come later today, because right now, Anthony Simons is ranked number 21, but that is the insanely small sample size, hard at work. I think the issue here, and the reason that he might not get a feature spot on the sell-high, is that he's only done it for four games, and I just, I don't think people believe that it's real yet, so you're probably not going to get, anything better than like 50 range. And there's actually a chance that Simon's is 50 range or better. So I don't know that I would take that. That's a weird round circuitous answer to uh, actually a very, very good question. Who should I sell Devin Booker for? Uh, He's been on our sell high board a few times. Um, And this is your moment with everybody coming back. I think if you can get anybody inside the top, 20, you do it Uh, because his usage is going to come down. There's just like, it can't possibly stay where it was. He was alone for a few games. No superstars next to him. This game yesterday was almost like not having a superstar next to him. Um, KD, Beal together, Booker will come down. How much? Unclear. Uh, Top 20 still feels like an achievable mark for him. Someone like a Dame actually feels like a really good target. If you can get Steph, I doubt you can get Steph or Booker, but I would try. Dame, I bet you could get because he's been in a little shooting slump, and I have this I have a pretty strong feeling those two guys sort of not like fully swap places, but Booker probably goes down towards 20, and Dame probably works his way up towards like 15 or 16. So opportunity to maybe catch one dude on the up and one on the down. Not a bad idea. Anyway, we'll talk more about this on the sell show. That'll be coming up later today. We're gonna pull the uh the plug on this front one, because I gotta pack up and get back to my kids' preschool, as I was saying. This was your what is today? Wednesday? Yeah. Tuesday recap show. Thanks again, everybody, for watching live. Thanks for watching after the fact. Thanks for listening on pod channels. I am Dan Bespris, your host of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'll see you guys over on social or Helping each other out. Friends helping friends in the Sports Ethos Discord. Maybe I'll see you this afternoon back on a show also. I don't know. I feel like I always get off these shows and I forget to remind you guys about something. But I think I hit all the big ones there. Oh, I remember. Hey, if I didn't get to your question, feel free to throw it in the comments on the show after the show is done. I get email alerts when those things happen. And then at some point over like a 24 or 48 hour span, I try to go through and actually hit them. Uh, So feel free to throw some comments after the fact also that is that is a way that you can reach me I see them. I don't get to them super fast, but I see them That was all the stuff I wanted to remember. Okay. See you guys later weird ending